Hello, and welcome to CBR's Dynamic Duos. I'm Tiffany Cravelli, and we have got an amazing episode today. Writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capullo, that's right, the award-winning creative team behind the New 52 run on Batman, stop by to have a conversation about their careers in comics and what's next for them. What's great about these two is they're not just colleagues and amazing at what they do, but they're also friends. So this conversation becomes much less of an interview and more of just a couple of pals hanging out, talking about memories and what's to come. So get yourself ready for this next episode of Dynamic Duos. Well, I I think one of the things that, you know, fans would most like to learn from Scott is, can you describe just how thrilling it is to have been working with me so long? Uh, Well, I mean, it is thrilling. It is. And I love you. I feel like uh, the thing that I get most excited about about working with you Beyond getting to hang out and spend time together now, because we're like fr- good, real we're like family. friends, family, is that uh, out of everybody I work with, you're the person I think the most that inhabits the story in a way where it, it, it the, from the acting to every design, to every line, every environment, nothing is left out. Everything is so fully imagined. You know, everyone has a different style that I work with. You know, Jock does this and and Rafa does that. But there's nothing quite as totally robust and fully, fully, fully realized as when you do the thing. There's no cheating in any of it. There's no sort of hiding in it. It's all so uh, vibrant. Like when we do Batman, like Gotham just comes to life. Like the characters, their acting comes to life. And that so I get excited because I know, you know, whatever we're working on, it's going to be something I can really lose myself in because it just presents itself like a, you know, like this real living thing very quickly. Well, I I have to say I did that question as a tongue in cheek thing, and so thank you for such a serious and complimentary uh, answer. Uh, I, I have to give the credit to the guys who instructed me, you know, when I was a kid trying to learn this stuff, right? Because uh, I'm an older guy, so I mean, I, I had like Jim Shooter and. John Romita Sr., Larry Hama, you know, all these real professionals who really knew their craft, you know, teach me how to do what I do. I, I just am following the guidelines that they told me I had to do. Uh, but on to a serious question and a more serious question. So, uh, you know, I'm a big admirer of, uh, of your writing. I, I say all the time, you know, how much how much depth uh, is in your writing and uh, how there are so many layers and, and, you know, you put so much love into the craft. At what age did you did comics really appeal to you that you said, I want to do this now? And I have a follow-up question, but go ahead. I mean, like, yeah, I always wanted to do it. I mean, I never remember, I wanted to be a comic book artist growing up, That's what but I wanted to be like a, yeah. yeah, artist writer, you know? So I fell in love with, I mean, I don't even remember my first comic because my parents say it was this, they, they still have it. Like it's a over, of course, he knows my parents and they're like embarrassingly supportive for, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a writer. You're supposed to hate this. Like, but they, they're just always like first in line, you know, but they, uh, age, yeah. I mean, like I do remember really falling in love with, um, Batman stuff in particular, like the Denny and, um, Neil stuff that was reprinted so, probably like, you know, eight, nine. Oh, and then, at ten, yeah. yeah, but at 10 was when dark Knight returns came out. And um, that I still have my original four copies. And I was always going to the store with my dad. He would take me every Wednesday to the old Forbidden Planet that was over on 11th and Broadway when they had like the upstairs and downstairs. And there was another Forbidden Planet over by the tram to Roosevelt Island that we'd go to when I went to my friend Frank Sue's house. And he was the one, his parents let him get all the R-rated comics. So I remember we'd go and it was like all right, Faust. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, I love you, Frank. 
Frank to this day, wherever you are. But um, your parents were no good, but that's all right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was always there. I always wanted to do it. You know, I just it wasn't until about college where I just realized the art. I wasn't. I just didn't. I wasn't good enough at the art, and I didn't feel like I had. I, I fell in love with the storytelling through the writing more. But. So my follow up is. All right, because I knew you would originally want to do, uh, you know, an illustrate as I do. Now that you see how grueling and how it grinds an artist to the pulp, <laughs> are you now going, whew, I dodged that bullet. I'm glad I'm a writer. Every time I'm like, uh, yeah, could you draw the like five Batmobiles crashing together? And that I'm like, I'm so glad I chose my own career path. <laughs> but it's funny. It's like, oh, well, I was going to ask you, too, as a question. Yeah. I, one of the things I, I was, was going to walk in and be like, what is your least favorite thing about me your least favorite my my least favorite thing about you uh i i would say well it's changed uh, because you've gotten much better very overly wordy in 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 the early times and uh i remember saying to you if you don't look back with a bit of embarrassment on like uh, our early <laughs> beginnings you, you you haven't grown at all that's my thing uh apart from that uh, on a personal level i go just sometimes because you got some of my old temper i used to have yeah. and you have that and i find that sometimes you know over these years as your older brother i've had to sort of like try and calm you down which i've learned is an impossible task it's once you're once you're in that head zone that's that's the thing and 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 so that's the most thing it's not something i dislike i feel bad because you're such a sweet guy i've always made the joke that I, I need a Scott Snyder plushie doll, right? Because he's <laughs> such a sweet and yeah, <laughs> you know. And when you squeeze the eyebrow, goes up. It'd be awesome. Yeah, no, that's it. You know, so you've gotten better on the on the wordy thing, and I think you've gotten better at the temper thing. I think you fell victim to a lot of the pressures of the business that you've had to go through. Thank and, you. Um, I thought you were going to be like, how long do we have? <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> no, no, no. Like Scott <laughs> Snyder. I like Scott Snyder very much. He's a man. Yeah. Uh, the well, one of the things that always fascinates me about you with with like going back to the question that you asked me was like, did you have a point when you were young where you were like, you realized it's what you wanted to do or was it always there? Cause whenever we talk about it, you have stories about drawing when you were so young. And also it seemed like you had this passion to do it, even though you were in an environment where it seemed like you didn't know a lot of people that were doing it necessarily. Right. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like a straight career path, but when you tell stories about going to the train station and sketching anatomy and all that stuff, I'm always like, did you have a comic or a moment that was like a lightning bolt or was it more like I always, you know, <laughs> the lightning bolt came, you know, really pretty early, like around seven or eight years old. An older cousin had given me a, a Adam strange comic book. I think that's the very first super comic book that I ever opened and saw. And then he gave me a handful of others, and I'm sure, you know, it was things along the line like, uh, you know, Batman, Justice League, whatever it was. And then I got exposed, you know, with my mother bringing me shopping to Spinarak, and then I saw Mad Magazine, and there's even one that was called Cartoons, and it was, you know, cartoon illustrations, but it was for hot rod heads, you know. And um, so at that very early age, uh, I go, this is what I want to do. And I remember showing my older cousin my crew drawings at that age and go you think someday i'll be good enough you know to draw and he'd go mm, i don't know yeah he goes you know what are you gonna say a dopey little kid who can't draw very well so no it was really really early and uh and i was practicing that stuff when i was in junior high i knew that's what i wanted to do i just had to do it i i have so i got straight f's in algebra because they give me the once they put the alphabet in with my numbers i really checked out so i would just take the test paper turn it over and i draw captain america or whatever straight f's 
But at the time, you had paper uh, report cards. So I just changed all the Fs to Bs, right? So mom was good. You got Bs. It says you're a big fuck off. But, you know, here you're getting Bs. So if, if you just applied <laughs> yourself, those would be all As. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, so, but yeah, I just was drawing those heroes, drawing those heroes. And, and that's what I knew I wanted to do, you know? Well, was there a moment you realized you were good enough or was there? <laughs> well, I, have, I got several beatings at Marvel telling me I wasn't good enough, you know, in the beginning. And, and in the beginning, you know, they were very kind, you know, they 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 were positive, you know, uh, oh, you know, you got potential kid and you need to work on the bit on this and a bit on that. But Larry Hama, who, who I love Larry Hama, just, uh, you know, I have to get that out of the way, was uh, by far the hardest but straight shooting no matter if it hurt your feelings and i remember him saying to me you know he'd make fun of my hometown the way it was pronounced schenectady i'm sure back in schenectady everybody thinks you're great your friends all tell you you're awesome and your mother loves your artwork but you're in new york city now we're the greatest of the great come you know and he really really let me know that i was nobody and and that i had a very long road to go and um so yeah you know i it took a while before i graduated to a point where finally ramita senior took me in and he's actually the one who went knocking on doors after he had tutored me the final rest of the way it was after i had done some uh gore shriek stories and uh and i brought in uh you know some of that stuff that had made print and and then he gave me his critiques and then started going around going you got to get work for this guy you got to get work for this guy so uh didn't happen for me just like that you know yeah it's so weird looking back like being young and i like look at that stuff that i kind of auditioned with and it's i mean like now 20 years later and you're like oh my god but at the time i thought it was amazing you know what i mean like i was so yeah. sure i had it and like god bless the people that were like you're not quite there yet but yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. like that we're instead of just being like this is awful well, you know well, the like thing that. i say is is you know you when you're bad you can't see how bad you are no you have to get some degree of being good at it to realize where your where your flaws are it's a horrible horrible thing I, I just remember the stories I thought were so good and they were terrible, you know, and all my superheroes were like ripoffs, you uh -huh. know, it was like blue Panther or whatever, <laughs> like just the worst. So now, you know, you, you, and I didn't know it when, when they paired us together <clears throat> that you uh, lean toward horror. Uh, I guess a couple of things is, is like, did, did that get into you through literature first? Did it uh, film first simultaneously? Did you, did you buy like creepy comics? And I mean, where, where at one point did you start to lean that way into their comic writing? What, what was that path like? I mean, I think where it comes from is I was always a kid that struggled with anxiety and fears and I, I worried a lot. I see it in, in my kids sometimes too, which, you know, we're working on, but, and I, I would just worry and worry and worry about something that I couldn't get it out of my head sometimes. And um, as I've gotten older, I've learned to deal with it a lot better. But back then, weirdly, I started to find that reading really scary stories, some of the old EC comics that had collections of like tales from the crypt and mm -hmm. the vault and the old witch, you know, and the vault yeah, keeper yeah, and, yeah, the, yeah. and those was it Jack Davis and Johnny yeah, Craig yeah. and that like that stuff and Stephen King experiencing something really terrifying on a page or through a story was like a safe way of allowing yourself to sort of worry and be worry and be you know nightmarishly kind of unokay because mm -hmm. you knew you were going to come out of it the other side and so I think that's what made me gravitate towards horror in general was like it was a, it was almost like riding a roller coaster where it's a safe way of getting scared and excited so I wound up 
by age eight or nine or 10, just horror was my thing. You know, I read all the Stephen King stuff that I could get my hands on. I loved horror movies. And it was when I saw, I remember like there was an old video store. Not I grew up not far from here actually. And um, it was called the Video Stop on 26th and 3rd. I've told you the story, but they wouldn't rent R-rated movies to kids, but they would deliver them to your house if you called. <laughs> so it was like a neighborhood secret. I, I At that age, I was just, it was the 80s. So it was like Halloween and Michael Myers. And then one day I got Night of the Living Dead. And my friends were going to come over and we were going to watch it. And I watched it first and I was so upset because it was black and white. And I was like, this is going to be awful. Like, what are we, you know, it's not a slasher movie. It's a sleepaway camp too. And like, uh, I watched it and it really upset me, like really bothered me. It was the only movie that gave me like nightmares, you know, nightmares about zombies. And I couldn't figure it out why I really, and I decided I didn't like the movie. I didn't want to, and over time now it's become like my favorite horror movie for that reason. What I realized was when horror is done right and it forces you to confront your fears that way it's a, a pure powerful form of conflict it's you up against the things you're most afraid of and it's a space where you can really wrestle with those things in powerful ways you know and that movie has all stuff about the 60s and social critique and all of it and it was the fact that i was watching something where every character i thought was going to make it out alive spoiler if you haven't seen it everybody <laughs> dies but you it was 60 something years ago so you've had plenty of time to see this movie dies and the bleakness of that and the fact that the real monster you realize at the end is how we behave and in, in, under those pressures was was so powerful you know so that's it really is like horror it's always been my favorite genre i think from a young age to now because when i was young it gave me a safe way to experience things that you know, I, I didn't know how to deal with very well in my own life. But then now I love it as a vehicle to be able to really look at the things that frighten me for my kids and about the world and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I remember when I was like apologizing to you about when we got on Batman, it was going to be all like superhero-y and then we did Joker and I was like, oh, this is so, you always tell it better than me, but it was like, you know, oh, I was like, God, Greg, I'm so sorry. This is like all dark and gory. And you're like, I, I, I know this is hard on you. And I'm going, I do spawn for a decade. Are you kidding me? This is this is like I'm in my bathrobe with comfortable slippers. Are you kidding me? I don't have to shave or shower to get through this. This is this is nothing. So well, and, the, and then we were at cons and people would bring up your gore streak stuff and it's like a baby with like the entrails wrapped around. I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> the, I could have gone so much darker. <laughs> but the thing about it is, you know, my career path is, is so not as I would have predicted. X Force, that was that was in my sights. Doing superhero comics that 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 was it and then you know i went to do spawn with todd and everybody goes wow greg's the horror guy and like i've never been into it I've, it was never a thing gore shriek the only reason i did it it was a local publisher that was giving new artists a chance so i any door that opened i was going to walk through it so I, it wasn't that i go ah oh, cool i like horror i'm going to do this thing it was like that was an opportunity so i did it and then i'm like on am marvel everything's cool and doing what i really always wanted to do then todd drafts me and i end up doing this dark stuff for 10 years and then <laughs> so then and then after i did haunt with robert kirkman which kirkman loves his gore and uh and so i go god i'm just typecast now i'm on this you know and they go greg is so great at it he must have always been into it i'm like no and so at the time i i married uh jamie her two kids were 14 and six and so at six years old i go ah oh, you know i can't even really share some of the stuff i'm doing because it's so gory and everything like that so I'm, I'm, I'm like hiding hiding my artwork away and and go you know what you know i i need to go more mainstream both both for you know some you know better income and and also, you know, so I could share my craft with the kid who doesn't give a shit about it, right? He's all video games. He didn't care. But uh, I, so I, I go, I, I'll go mainstream. And so I was going to 
do this thing for Marvel and then or it was going to be DC and they offered me Batman and Bob Harris who was the editor in chief at the time goes y'all I got this writer I'd like you to put you with you know Scott Snyder and I don't know anything about Scott and 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 then you find out he's a horror writer and so I'm drawing the last page of Court of Owls and guys you know knifed up to the wall stuff like that and I go I can't get out of it I'm typecast man I'm, I'm this <laughs> horror guy and so here, yeah, so this was just unplanned. So I've just given up. I just, okay, whatever. The darker, it doesn't bother me. I've done it. It's comfortable. Apparently, people tell me I'm good at it. So, okay. Somebody told me that they would kill to see us do, like, My Little Pony together. And I was like, uh, the challenge of that would be so fun where it's like, you know, like, like no gore, no thing. Like, you know, I'm sure it'd wind up being gore or whatever. Pony You'd find extreme. a way to make it dark. I would. I would. Pony. Yeah. I, I, now I'm thinking. Now I'm like, oh. <laughs> Well, what's one thing you wish people out there knew about your your like what it's like for you work wise, like about your work and about what you put into it that they might not? I think, you know, all, all, all the people who do what I do when they got into doing this had no idea. Right. You got your book off the stand. Beautiful, colorful, action packed. You go, wow, that's awesome. It's like a ma like somehow it just formed out of magic, you know, and then you get there. And uh, I remember. My first, one of my very first gigs, it was a what if issue. Uh, I think it, it, it was something about armor wars. It was, it was, it was an Iron Man story or something. And to make the deadline, I had to work for 48 hours straight without a break. And I remember vividly, I had a, I had a, uh, you know, a lap board and I'm in the bed and at the tail end of that 48 hours with no sleep or anything, my body was actually going <laughs> shuddering, you know, at it. And one of the last panels I didn't complete. I didn't complete the figure. There, he has no arm. The bullpen had to, had to draw in the missing arm. I was so out of it after 48 hours of no sleep. So <clears throat> what you don't realize, and the, and the only thing that takes takes this from just being complete fun joyride of, of drawing comics and, and storytelling and bring stories to, to life is the deadline. If there were no deadlines, uh, it would be just like you're a kid having fun. You know, uh, like you do in your free time now, if you're not a professional, it, it's it's the deadline that that hurts you, and and it's the um, and the thing about it is I shouldn't still be the hot kid, right? Because I'm not a kid, I'm an old man, right? And 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 I attribute that to providing a body of work. You have to have a body of work that keeps you out there in the fans' eye, keeps you relevant, and and. And over decades, they have something that they go back and and draw upon. And and maybe I lived my life wrong, or maybe the young guys who, because a lot of the young guys they don't want to do that month after month after month month grind, and, or or they'll get bored short while in, and they'll switch projects, and and they don't have. The, and I've had professionals ask me, Greg, how do you do it? It's, it's what I do. This is the life, you know. I don't see my friends. I don't go to parties. I'm a guitar player. I don't play in bands anymore. I pick up my guitar once in a blue moon. I go, you know, you have to sacrifice it all for your craft if you want to be really good at it. And and I think that's what they don't realize. Certainly, the the, the life of a writer is 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 simpler, and for a couple of reasons. But one of the reasons a writer can work anywhere. Yeah, you could be uh, on a beach. Right. And but you're you're formulating. Right. And maybe put some notes down and take a memo. But you, when you're an artist, that's it. You have to sit in that chair and you have to do it. And, and, and the thing you don't realize and you can withstand a lot more when you're younger, but it takes a, it's taxing on the body. I've 
friends much younger who go, oh, my back is shot, you know, my neck is shot, I got carpal tunnel. I'm lucky. The, the worst thing that I found that I've happened is I've destroyed my leg veins. So they, you know, uh, they call it a venous insufficiency. So my blood doesn't pump out. So if I stay in that chair a long time, those ankles and feet get really inflated. So you, you know, it's a demanding job now. So love it. If you want to do it, do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have chosen a different path. I, I love that I'm a comic book artist. It, it was my dream and I, I wouldn't have wanted to done my life differently, but uh, it's hard to find that balance to where you could preserve your health while doing this gig. And that's the thing that, you know, so have a passion for it. Otherwise you'll burn out fast. Well, that's like the advice too. I mean, I, that's that I would give young writers, even though it is much less strenuous, I think than art, but being with you, seeing how hard you work, it's funny to me. I think it's one of the reasons we get along so well on the project is, you know, you give everything to it. And it's easier on me to do that, you know, but it was because when we first started working on Batman, we were so different. Like you were used to outline, you know, more Marvel style scripts. I was used to every word, every reference, mm -hmm. everything. But it was the moment that I saw your designs and how thoughtful and how again like how fully imagined they were where i was like you live in the whole story you're giving the story everything and i knew quickly once we started talking that we were both gonna always put the story before everything oh, absolutely. and the same like you know personal i mean it's not like i mean i love my wife and we have good relationship but same in the way that it's much harder on you the amount of stuff you have to do but Flavor it's weird yeah. it's like a weird paradox because it is one of the things that i think makes the people gravitate towards the work that we do is because i think hopefully it shows up that we do both pour everything into the story once we're on it you, you know, know what i mean the thing about it and it could apply to writing you could just be formulaic in your approach and bang it out and right you'd be competent be great and 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 me too i've been doing this for 30 years i could i could just sort of relax and not worrying about it being the best it can be and just but I, you know i don't think either of us is built that way and and thing is after 30 years of me doing this i still approach it like i'm trying to get a job That's you know what i mean it's like exactly. i i what is the best camera angle I, you know what is the best i will and you've known it because you've heard me say yeah. it so obsessive to the point because body language can have so much impact with the slightest change. I mean, I'm talking a head tilt that's from here to there can make a big difference. And that's how psycho I am about this stuff. So I'll erase that head, same exactly perfectly drawn head, just tilted that much more. And I'm not a digital artist. So it's not like I just capture and go click. I have to erase that goddamn thing and do it again. So, but that's how obsessive I am. And I know that you're obsessive because even when he's given me scripts, I mean, down to me drawing the last page, he's he's going, can we change this last thing on this page here before you get there? So it's not like he even puts it to bed. Even oh, after he's got it all written, he's still on the way there going. Dit, 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 dit. And sometimes there's a time where it's can't change it because I'd have to go back and redo this stuff. And uh, can't have that one. But plenty of times we've along the way, the, the ship has been steered a little bit because he never stops. Yeah. And a lot of the time I'm inspired by what you did already. Like when you're handing in the pages, it gives me an idea. And then I'm like, oh, I have a better way of, you know, Execute. steering this. Yeah. I wonder too, like, like, I know we've kind of asked this to each other sometimes, but to go to a con like this and, you know, we've, we've worked together now over a decade and we've done different things and events and Batman and our own stuff. And we go to do other things and come back together and then to show up to a booth and still see a line like that, like for, it's very moving, you know what I mean? And I always wonder, I'm like, what is it, what is it about us together that 
draws people in or makes them really stay. And it's funny because I, I do think there's like just the, the creative aspect of it. Like the, I think a lot of it is kind of what we just said. Like we, we click in a way on a story because we both have the same kind of maniacal sensibility about making it the best thing that we've ever done always. And that's it. Like ne letting nothing out the door that doesn't stand with the best stuff, if not is the best stuff, is the best thing you've done. But then the other thing that's nice is they've been with us through so many moments, like in our, I feel like maybe it's also because, again, like you're my brother, like you're my best friend, like we're family. And they've been there through that. They've been there through the moments, through the growth. Like, you know, I remember when your kids were young, you remember when I didn't even have probably like at least one of them. <laughs> but the the idea of them being a part of that trajectory because we've been pretty open about when we didn't get along when we started and then all the all your fault not mine. it was it was my fault i was i was kind of an asshole back then but i was just scared of everything kind of. i it's would on, say with great certainty it's on camera now too, <laughs> see i admitted it the i was just terrified i was terrified when we started batman of being on i felt like somebody who was a my kids super into baseball i used to have to remember my sports analogies were awful i didn't know any sports and i was like it's like throwing a a, a touchdown in a you know a, the last the quarter inning. of the final inning right <laughs> but now i know but it's like if i felt like somebody who played you know minor league baseball it was just starting and then got picked to pitch in the world series mm. game seven like it felt completely out of my league doing batman and then they told us it was going to be number one and then you know all of it so i was just the only thing i knew how to do was protect the like to write the way i had been writing and if I had to change any of that, it was so much on my, I was so terrified already that mm -hmm. I, I was very inflexible. Whereas Greg was much more like, give me more room because I'll take some of the weight off you. And also I, it gives me a better, I'm better. Like then it make, makes my stuff better to have the room to imagine all of it. So it took me a while to like, to loosen up. But I mean, they've been with us from that stage to like the first time you and I stuck up for something together, which was when you turned the page mm -hmm. in Court of Vowels through the five Court of Vowels. Yeah, through the fights that Mission we had, five. the fights that we had with DC about the ending of that story. And then through our first events, like the Joker stuff and the origins and like everything we were pretty transparent about. I think when we, when we were worried about something or when we believed in something or what we were selling to them. And I don't know, that's my hope is that they feel part of the friendship I, uh, that we have. Cause I feel that way about them. I know you do too. I, I'm sure I can't put a pin on, on what it is. I'm just grateful that it is. Yeah. And, uh, but one thing th though, I think that anybody who sees the name Snyder and Capullo on a book, can it go, at least I'm going to get my money's worth. Cause I know that both of these guys are giving it their best every time. So yeah. in, in one regard, I mean, I'm sure it's because we're, we're, we're a safe bet in the, in the fact that they know they're going to get something for their money. It's not going to be, you know, and they know that about us. And, and maybe some of the part is they've seen our action and, and they go, Oh, these seem like two pretty good guys, you know, which I'd like to think that we are me a little better than you, but <laughs> I, I, I just kidding you. Um, but I think I think I think uh, they see our camaraderie and may, maybe it all factors in. Who who knows? It's it's such an intangible thing. All I am is grateful, you know, because certainly, you know, fans can be fickle. And there's the hot new guy and the hot new writer, the hot new artist, the hot new team, the hot new book, whatever it is. And you're yesterday's news. And the fact that we've had any kind of endurance as we have and longevity. I mean, I, I, I've, my head has never gotten big in my whole life about this kind of thing. I mean, I look at it as I'm grateful and I'm lucky and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Same. It's, I just think, how do you, how do we pay them back? 
and the only way I think to, can it be give you the best keep, work, keep we best can. work exactly. That's keep, it. That's the only it. thing you could do. Yeah, it's the only thing you could do, and be nice to them at the end. Well, listen, it's easy <laughs> but, to be yeah. nice to fans at shows because nobody gets in line to tell you that they hate you. They all tell you something nice, right? It's, so. I know. I love when they're like, I, I know you've probably heard this before, but this is my favorite book. I'm like, that doesn't get old. No, no. You know, <laughs> the funny one for me is, you know, because Jamie, who's, by the way, off to the side still right now, she's always with me. And there's plenty of times where, you know, she's right here while I'm signing or standing right here. And, and every once in a while, you know, all fans are complimentary and say nice things to you and make you feel good. But there's every once in a while, there's fans who come up and they're they're just I mean, you are the greatest thing that I've ever encountered. You are, um, you know, and they just <laughs> I've seen uh, it and they've just built you up to the to this point. And I'll turn to Jamie and go, are you listening to this? Are you paying attention? Are you taking notes? OK, because when I'm home, all right, I want a little bit of this. I want a little bit of that right there. All right, take notes, huh? Otherwise, I'll divorce you and marry that fan right there. You know, so uh, anyway, it's uh, it doesn't, it, it, you know, and I'll tell you, okay, from my perspective, okay, it's a very lonely job. What I do, I'm alone in that room, and I'm drawn, drawn day in, day out, seven days a week, 12, 16 hours a day, boom, doing it, doing it. And so it can get depressing, right? When you don't even look up to see if it's sunny out, right? Because you're, you're there. And so you feel like you're alone, but when you come to a show, and 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 the fans show you this kind of affection it, it shows me that i'm not really alone i'm alone in that room but i'm not really alone i have this sprawling family you know in all the states across the globe in different countries and you go it it, it, it recharges me when i go home i i go I have a family. It's, it's it's this large, huge, giant family. And they're rooting for me. And I'm trying to do the best I can for them so that I don't let them down so that they, they go, you know that Greg, he's you know, a hell of a guy. You know? So it recharges me, these shows. And probably for you, too. Oh, yeah, me too, 100%. I mean, because the weird thing is, like, to make anything you care about for you, too, like, you have to put everything into it. And writing, for me, the way I was taught or the way like we were just talking about my favorite horror stuff, my favorite, you know, stories in general are clearly really personal. I mean, everything's personal, but, you know, the ones that really wear their sort of the passion on the sleeve. And so to sit alone and to have to make something where you're facing, especially in horror, like or, you know, even big high drama like Batman, your own fears where, you know, I would tell Greg like this arc really is the Joker, it's the Joker and he's coming after Batman with his family and he's got his face cut off and it's going to be badass. But I mean, that arc was when we were, I was being, a, it was dad for the second time and I was really scared of being a father. And that's what Joker is saying to Batman. And that is, you don't really want a family. You want to go back to just being you and me when we were young and not have to worry about being responsible. And, you know, Zero Year was written for my kids about, I wanted Batman to face the fears that I saw my kids staying up in, at night about gun violence and this and that, even though it's masked and all of this kind of comic lunacy so to sit there and stare at a screen or a board and have to be alone and then look into the things you're afraid of or you're hopeful about and translate them onto a page somehow it's lonely it's also really scary you know at times because you're being asked to do things that i think most people during the day you know the job can be the opposite of that it can be you don't have to think about the things that you're really deeply afraid of or really deeply care about or hopeful for you know, but that's the job. The job is taking that stuff, staring into that mirror all day and making something out of it that's going to reach other people or affect it. So cer certainly the majority of your career in writing has been darker. Yeah. Now, could you thrive in an environment of lighthearted, colorful superhero world that lacked that 
element or do you need that edge? Do you feel that that's so entrenched in your writing style and, and your personality that you wouldn't want to be, you know, uh, you know, apple pie? I just my favorite. It has teeth. Like I could definitely. I like. I enjoyed writing Superman for a bit and Justice League, but I always need to create a villain that, for me, is the real embodiment of the worst fears of the hero, and that usually means going pretty dark. So sometimes they can be comical, like Lex Luthor can kind of be grandstandy and that. But what he's saying in Justice League, where he says deep down people want villains to win, they want to be villains and not heroes, is a is a dark, scary thing I worry about in this climate now. You know what I mean? Like in our country and for my kids and that. So there's no way to kind of be, there's no way not to go there. I always have to go towards the things I'm afraid of, even if they don't wind up being visually scary on the page. Mm -hmm. There's still the things that keep me up, you know? So it's dark in that regard. Oh, really. See, because I'm a proven horror, obviously. I wasn't a horror guy and I've drawn a whole lot of horror. Now, I just set out to be a commercial artist, right? So that that meant, you know, whatever the gig is, you, you do it, right? Yeah. And so it, My Little Pony, sure, I could draw that. You want to do, you know, zombies? We could do that. You know, so I, I just go where, you know, the job, you know, dictates that I go. Whereas you, definitely, you're saying, that, yeah, I need that element. But I, I mean, I think with you, though, too. Like, like you're saying, you yeah. couldn't write My Little Pony. I could just be dark. <laughs> it would be dark, there, but yeah. I could do it. I think yeah, yeah. I, I, I would like rise Barbie to that challenge. Like that. Barbie, pink you could do Barbie and whatever, pink Corvette. I, I do. I feel like people would totally line up to see us do like you know Chira or you know like yeah. like Barbie or something like that. So I'm up for it. I'm yeah. up for the challenge. But I think that you know one of the things that I know that you always say like you know you go where they wherever they say, but. At the same time, like, I think you bring such, not darkness, but you bring such an energy to it. That it's hard for me to imagine sometimes you doing, like, you don't phone it in, is what I mean, on anything. Oh, no, 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 never. And so yeah. I see you bringing your own emotions to it all the time, too, and that. You, so you, I think the thing that I kind of veer away from that I think you would, too, is flat. You know, like like stand up, like like slapstick comedy on the page wouldn't really work for me unless it had some kind of, yeah, you know, which is imagine would be the same for you. Not that you couldn't do it. You know, it the, the be... way, you know, that Marvel raised me because it was Marvel Comics who raised me, you know, uh, I just see myself as a film director. Right. And so if you're a good film director and you know how to direct a film, you know, pretty much you should be able to take pretty much any screenplay and turn it into something you know uh it helps to be able to and and this is where the older i get the better i get at it is is uh the acting that as you mentioned now i remember one of my first submissions to marvel and i don't even remember who it was they were looking at my portfolio a couple of editors at the same time and the, and and the one turns the other he goes this one can act so they saw it early on uh now whether i i don't know why i could tap into that at an earlier age but the older you get the more experience obviously you have in life so you you have a, a deeper well to tap into to bring those characters to life to, and you are painting your emotions yeah. on them the things that you've experienced i remember when i was doing uh, reborn mark miller and uh and the grandmother she was dying afraid of dying and, and and i and i remembered thinking of my grandmother and seeing times where my grandmother was crying and how awful that seemed to me and i drew upon seeing my grandmother cry and superimposed it uh, on that scene. So it, it's your life experiences. And then there's the technical aspect, which, uh, you know, you have to learn basic things like the 180 rule, you know, yeah. you know, this character stays that side, that character it's established, whatever. But, and, but then on top of that, 
that's where anybody could just follow the paint by numbers but where you know i try and always go and is is to really think about where that camera would be most effective in 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 exerting the right feeling and emotion and whatever into the page and as you said how we've always put the story first i'll tell you being raised in a 90s environment right every you know a lot of the guys and and good for them because great resale when they sell the original art pinups and splash pages and boom you know and they couldn't and they actually sacrificed in my view good storytelling good film directing in order to get those pages mm -hmm. which fans love them and you made a lot of money selling those pages later i don't do that he's given me great stories and there's been times where you could go i'll make this a big ship but i don't because i don't think it serves his script the best way i always just go oh i don't get the cool sexy page but I know that this number of panels and these things are going to sell what he's trying to say. So I'm, you, I treat it just like I'm a film director. When I get Scott's uh, scripts, I'll read them. And what happens for me is I, I see a movie play in my head. And, and so I'll, I'll, but I don't do it with one pass. I, I go through and I read his story three, four times for a few reasons. One is that I really want to understand what he is trying to say because I don't want to fumble that ball. It had my job is to take what he wants to say and elevate that and 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 to bring that out bigger make it flower and and so keeping that in mind and that's what's paramount to me and and so while i'm seeing the film as i go through because we're doing comics and, and not film then i have to go what will work on paper not everything that he has written will work on paper great scene if i had three cameras oh my god what i could do with that scene you know, uh, but it, oh, it doesn't work, you know, in, in the world of 11 by 17 here. And so I'll have to modify that. So as I'm reading through, then I'm making my editor cuts. I'm, I'm going, OK, I like that idea, but on the floor it goes. I can't do it. it won't work as well. And so I reread it over and over until I think I have the best path. And that's when I sit down and start doodling to see if it actually works as I think it will in my head. And once I got that and I go, yeah, that works. That's great. Or I need to change that shot. It'll be better if I do it this way. And it's only then that I sit down and start penciling those pages to bring your story or anybody's story to life. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the process and it's amazing to me. And one of the things that's so interesting about it is also, I feel like how a, it's a living thing, like back and forth. And the worst experiences I've had in comics, and it's not to knock anyone at all and not throwing anyone under a bus, is the thing I really realized I didn't like about writing books was the loneliness of it that it's just you doing it alone. And the thing that I suddenly remembered about comics or discovered about it and you know as a creator was how collaborative it is and the idea of giving somebody something you're vulnerable about like you love it mm -hmm. but you're also giving it to them to make better and giving them room to do that and then when it comes back from you whether you're showing me the pencils or you send layouts sometimes once in a while it'll be like what do you think blah 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 that sparks whole new ideas that then it would never be with somebody else you know it would never be the, the same story with just different art, the whole thing changes with each pass based on mm -hmm. the things you're bringing to light, the things you're elevating in it. Give me story ideas and it goes back and forth. And there definitely is a special energy 
working with you that way with for me like i know i i can't wait when it starts coming back and it, my brain is like wide open to the idea of like okay how do i now improve on what i had because he's improved on what i gave him and that and like See, back. this is the fun of it you know i mean there certainly can work and it, people thrive in it where it's one guy and he's calling all the shots i i don't think that's what comics should be i think comics should be like a, a group a, 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 a you know rock group or whatever and and you know your bandmates and you trust your bandmates you like you oh you're great at your instrument i love what you do and and that's it you do your you each do your part and you come up with something better and 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 it's like improvising too if you got you're all just jamming right which yeah. i've been in bands where you you're not there to re, you know rehearse a song at that moment just getting you laying down jams you know and 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 all this spontaneous stuff unfolds and and that's happened with us and death of the family comes to mind and, and you know the face was cut off and so i said well it's no longer on ice so it's going to rot and, and rotten meat smells and it tracks flies. So I started buzzing flies around. Right. So that wasn't in the script, just something I go organically needs to happen. And then I told my colorist FCO go. And as this goes on further, make the skin look more and more rotten. Right. And so as the story goes on, we added all these flies. And so when it came time toward the end of the book and, and Scott was intimating that maybe Joker had made his way into the bat cave. And uh, we had teased that idea. And so it, when we got to the end page, there was computer screen with the element HA. And so we were going to go, that's how we end it with the joke. Going, ha. And, and Scott texts me or phone me, whatever. And he goes, we need something special, extra, you know, if you come up with anything. And then it was only at the last minute, like a lot of stuff happens. The, the improvisation is I go, I'll put a fly on the screen. And he goes, that's perfect. And and so, and and that reinforces the question. So was Joker there? Now, certainly flies can make it into the cave on their own, but it, it, it was the perfect thing. The fly was established with the Joker. There's the ha, there's, and it's just all tied together. And that's one of the beauties uh, and one of the joys and fun part of comics is so, sometimes you don't even know where you're going entirely and you have all these little pleasant surprises. And we've done it before where I'll use like circles or something as a motif and he'll see that see unfolding. Yep. And so he starts writing it into the pages that are coming forward. And so then it becomes an established thing. And so, but this is the stuff that out of the gate you didn't have. And along the way, you cultivate it. And at the end, you have this wonderful thing that people just go, oh, that's great. They plan all this great stuff. And you go, no, not really. Well, some of it, a lot of it, <laughs> but not all of it. Yeah. I mean, I think I know just to close, like, I think the thing that's with you, I mean, with everybody. And what I was going to say is the the experience that I never liked was when you just hand a script and the art comes back and there's no interaction. Mm -hmm. And with you, and I think with everybody I work with, but with you more than anybody, the back and forth to me is what makes the thing special and unique is you go. Cause the goal, honestly, in comics is to find people that are going to make the work better than you could by far. True. And you'll look, once in a while you look out and you meet people you become friends with and make you better people like you have for me and <laughs> better create. It's true. It's true. Like, you know, like you said, you felt me through many things, but also creatively as a mentor and all of that, you know, you find people like you've helped me become a much better writer, someone I'm much prouder of on the page than before. And that's, you know, the most you can ask for in comics, I think. Yeah. Well, both are attributed to I have more years in it, both in life and in comics. So, <laughs> you know, you gain a little bit of wisdom, you know, hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully. And so whatever little bits I've learned along the way, whether it's how to conduct yourself in a personal way or, or professionally in comic, I'm just, you know, sharing with you some of the things that, you know, I learned along the way. Well, thank you for putting up with me in the early years, too. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, the money I know that I was you send paying. me on the side helps, you know, but. 
yeah bob harris was like paying you off on the side too it was like it was like a i always imagine there was like a fund where it was like you know what i mean like the every time i did something annoying where there was like all right pay up bob no no but bob was supportive of me like when i i wasn't happy with some of the ways that the book was being edited when we first got together yeah, I, remember. I remember like you know i provided the dead space above batman's head and then it came back with the word blown on batman's head and then the editor going looks great right i'm going okay i can't fire you but now i'm assistant editor and there's along the way where i'm editing the copy and the balloons and moving them i started to show scott yeah, show how me. it could be more effective if if you break this balloon, you're saying all this, and that's great, and we'll say all this, but it'll have more power if we like cut it here and we add it to this panel here, and because those are just tricks to you're saying the same stuff, it's just moving stuff a little bit, and and it can really be impactful. So Bob was like, man, thanks for you know giving those pointers to, to Scott, and and it's like, and he picks right up, you know, right? once he's once I go these this is some things you could do. He he's not a slow learner, right? So he he. <laughs> start to pick them up and incorporate it right yeah man it's been a blast you know my hope is we get to do this tour till we drop dead well i'm 15 years ahead of you so uh i'm sure i'll be i'm gonna be first on that sadly I got three kids though so i'm, I'm gonna yeah. lap you i feel like i'm gonna lap you well i'll tell you i warned him against having <laughs> quinn and i love quinn right but i go this is gonna ruin our relationship because now and he is he's never at the shows with me right now most of the time alone and i see him with his instagram with his super dad pics hey i'm super dad doing the cool dad thing here i'm at the ball game here on a, on a slide here I'm a, and i'm going here i am signing books by myself because you had to have another kid couldn't have settled for another cat or another rescue cat had to have another kid and now look at what's happened to our relationship I'm just going to Photoshop your face on his face <laughs> and then send you pictures from all the ball games and all that stuff. It'll be good. It'll be good. I could do the same when I'm signing. Oh, he's here. He's, he's here. Yeah. Just, well, you had that dummy. Remember, remember you had that like fake head. Oh was, yeah. Scott invited me to, to talk and, uh, in my class. And so, you know, I, I drew my facial hair on the styrofoam dummy's head, put my black label society cap on it. And I raised the head and I'm talking off screen. And that head was there for a good 10 minutes talking, oh, right? Yeah. And I'm animated. I'm awesome. moving, nod. Yeah. Right. They loved it. Right. Well, they did. listen, I'm a class clown. What can I tell you? Thank you so much, Scott and Greg, for being with us today. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to check out some of Greg and Scott's work, you can find them at your local comic book store or anywhere comics are sold online. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate and review us. And thank you, of course, for listening. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Dynamic Duos.